Weekend. Variety. Wireless. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Weekend Variety Wireless. Tonight, Outsiders with Jared Hindmarsh. To Rapraha was swift. Gone was any sort of diplomatic endeavouring to settle its um, people peacefully on new lands. He rose up with the absolute destruction on his mind, and many stories have been documented about what happened, but he just went on an absolute bloodbath with local tribes and basically it, it slowed him down. He was so incessant and thorough how he went about avenging this. Basically, he had wiped out the opposition in one go. And some of it is going to be a difficult listen. That chief who had insulted him and his wife, he brought them back to Kapiti. He cut open his wife's stomach pulled out her innards, pegged them out and made the chief dance around for two weeks while he killed him slowly with a fern root pounder. Well, have a nice day. Uh, the Napoleon of the late classical Maori world, Taraparaha. It's a complex story and he tells it well between 11 and 12. Okay, hey, Paul Cassily is pulling up stumps on Media Stick. He will be with us for his final instalment of Media Stick very shortly. Um, have we got any champagne or something to do? Something special for Paul? I think he's on the end of the phone anyway. Uh, so, ah, stuff him. Uh, we'll find somebody else. All right. Also, later this evening, um, I'm, I make no apologies whatsoever for a repeat of something that was on last weekend after 8 o'clock. It was in the science report because it's got special significance to uh, what Divvig talks about almost every time, and that's Trump and how awful he is. Yeah, he is awful, but how awful do you become about Trump? This one comes from Stephen King. Progressives, go find a Trump-supporting friend the one you haven't spoken to since November of 2016, and give him or her a hug. Trumpies, find a liberal snowflake friend and do the same. Just for today, let's all be Americans. See, that's a good tweet. I think that's something that everyone can vibe off of. Nobody's gonna have a problem with that, right? Wrong. This is the big fucking problem with white liberalism. No, I will not fucking hug someone who thinks my mom should be locked up in a goddamn cage. Over 70,000 likes and 15,000 retweets. That's a YouTube observer by the name of some black guy, and, and he's well worth it. Multiple perspectives. Oh, sorry. Um, and that sort of thing will be addressed by a cat called Ted Zorn, who's looking into the communication style of uh, Donald Trump and all that sort of stuff. All right, how's your week been? I've had a fascinating week. I couldn't believe it. This afternoon, I watched an, an ITM rugby game. 
uh, it's the only rugby that really fascinates me at all. And I've got to tell you, it's pretty much gone down the toilet uh, over the last 10 years. It's down to club rugby sort of level. But I can't stop watching um, my home team. I'd support Northland over the All Blacks. Has an alarm gone off outside? Is that an incorrect thought? Ah, let's make all well fiction again. Um, I would much, much rather see uh, Northland win the championship or whatever the thing it's called these days than see uh, the All Blacks win anything at all. Uh, I've spent many, many hours of grief and turmoil at Okara Park, as it's called, uh, watching rugby. Uh, and I watched the game today. And look, hats off, you silly old Northlanders. You turned up in your droves to see um, your team play Taranaki today. And uh, they won in the last minute. Do you care about rugby out there? No, I don't care if you do or don't. Um, the thing is, people turned up for this thing. It's bizarre. Why are you doing it? I'd practically given up. Um, so hats off. I found that really fascinating. Thousands and thousands of people at Okara Park um, at Wangarei. Wangarei with a WH without the F if you want the local accent. Don't point your finger at me. Um, I've had enough with the Tiarawa tyranny of accents throughout the country. All right. It sounds as though I have a grievance, doesn't it? I do have a grievance, and this is Grievance 161. People complaining about things that make no difference to them whatsoever. Very petty things. I noticed um, an article this week. I forget where it was. It was in what used to be the press. It was online. It was either the Herald or Stuff. I think it was Stuff. And do you get annoyed at people that put their rubbish in your wheelie bin? Your wheelie bin. Your property. Your thing. And they just get their rubbish. You put your rubbish out and they put some of their rubbish in your wheelie bin. There was outrage. <laughs> How dare people touch your wheelie bin and put something in it that you will never, ever see again alongside stuff you don't want to see again and doesn't affect you whatsoever. Anybody out there that feels this kind of churning grievance that, Somebody is putting their rubbish in your bin and it doesn't affect you whatsoever. Give yourself an uppercut. And it made me think of a song, a wonderful piece of music by a band called Wire. This came out in 1979. And uh, I think the lyrics speak for themselves. I'll tell you what they are just briefly before you hear the musical version. I've found something nobody's been looking for. I've found something that there is no use for. And what's more, I'm keeping it to myself. I've found something. 
I don't even know what to call this grievance number 161, but uh, something along the lines of things that don't affect you whatsoever, but you'll find a way to moan about it. We might mention uh, Bill O'Donoghue of the Catholic Church in the United States later on this hour as well. But next up, Paul Cassidy, the final instalment, his final instalment of Mediastick. Good evening. This is the Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. I have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Cassidy. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. Paul Cassidy, uh, your last hurrah for media stick, at least until you feel like doing it again. Hi. Hi, Graham. How are you going? Yeah, not bad. Good heavens, you sound positive. Who are you, Jason Gunn? <laughs> <laughs> I love Jason Gunn. So I, won't hear, I won't hear a word against him. No, of course, one of the greatest moments in television ever. That was thingy, um, the eyes falling out. Good God, that was just so beautiful. I, yeah, although I, don't, I have a feeling it didn't actually happen on live TV. It was actually something that came out later via a bloopers reel. Oh, but we all, uh, we've all, you know how memories are really <laughs> yeah, yeah. suspect? I think it's one of those ones. Yeah. Would you get really upset if somebody, your neighbour, put some rubbish in your wheelie bin before it got put out? Well, see, over here on the North Shore, oh. I'd probably, because there's a whole system now where every time I put a wheelie bin out, I have to put a tag on it that costs me about $4 to buy. What? So, yeah. And what the hell to, is going on over there coming, in the North Shore? coming over to your side, too, at some stage. We're part of the super city, so you guys are going to get this, too. You have to put a tag on your bin. So you, I only put it out every second week, pretty much. What does the tag say? Well, just, it's like one of those airport ones you put on your luggage. So it yeah. goes, through the, goes through the loop at the top of the wheelie bin and the little handle, and it, that, are, that means they'll come and pick it up. If there's no tag, they won't pick the rubbish up. What is the why do you have to put the tag on? What difference does it make to your rubbish? Why is the tag there? Is the well, because uh, previous to this over here, you had, to buy, you had to buy rubbish bags or you had to pay a private company to come and take your wheelie bin every week. Yeah, we don't need the whole background story for God's well, sake. Well, it's coming your way, so just be prepared. So yes, I would possibly be, but, um, but my bin's always jam-packed. But if it, you know what? If it was half empty, I wouldn't care. No, I wouldn't care either. People get really upset as though they own it and that somebody's pooing in their bed. It's just not true. Did you put your stuff in someone else's bin? I've done, I've done it once. Well, yeah, what? so yes, yeah, yeah, yes is the answer. Yeah, okay. uh, people do it to our bin, and I just don't feel it's a thing. It's like they're taking it away. Oh, I know what's going on here. You're, you're auditioning for Leighton Smith, aren't you? No, I'm auditioning for the anti-Leighton Smith. I'm not saying people shouldn't put it in my bin because it's my private property. I'm saying I don't give a flying frick uh, yeah, if people put some rubbish in my bin. It's fine. No. But, uh, but you're getting angry about something that you don't need to worry about. Yeah, well, this has been an ongoing problem, Paul. 
the promo that we use for you, this thing. I yeah. have a lot of fight left in me. I'm not breaking down. The New Zealand Herald published a smear by... I mean, intro. TV blogger Paul Casserly. The blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. We will never feel safe again. It must have been... One of the highlights of your media career, Paul, and not that it's all over, it might be, um, after you finish this program tonight, um, that it was Bill O'Reilly that mentioned you on the TV. Did you hear him do this live? No, no. You didn't? In America, are flat out corrupt, using their privilege under the Constitution to lie and defame, often in order to promote ideology. That happens most often on the left, but sometimes on the right as well. But we're not alone in America. Recently, the New Zealand Herald published a smear by TV blogger Paul Casserly, quote, Killing Kennedy is based on the book by redneck motormouth Bill O'Reilly, who also wrote Nat Geo's rather good Killing Lincoln. I bet Bill can't wait for someone to knock off Obama. Now, the New Zealand Herald is totally responsible for that, the blogger is obviously emotionally disturbed. <laughs> so why would a newspaper allow that kind of thing, that kind of hatred to be published? Comes a point when all good people have to walk away from garbage like that. Oh, marvellous. How much of a feather in your cap is that is, It is. Um, I mean, it, it, to be honest, there was a good, a good argument to be had for a pretty lame review on my part, but... Um, he just went straight to the mentally deranged. <laughs> of all people, too. Uh, yeah, but also, you know, he, he specialises in writing books about presidents who have been assassinated. So yeah. I didn't think it was that unfair observation. Mm. Okay. Um, and <laughs> it's a great get. I'm, I wish Bill O'Reilly had nailed me. But anyway, he got you. So good for you. Uh, I don't think he's mentioned another New Zealander ever, really, has he? Other than maybe an accusation that Ed Hillary was gay or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, that's Alex Jones. Alex Jones. God knows what, <laughs> God knows what Alex Jones has said. Yeah. All right, Paul. Um, I just want to uh, kick off with a little thing I found on the BBC. Um, I couldn't believe it happened. I'll just... Let this speak for itself right now. Hello, I'm Jackie Leonard, and you're listening to the newsroom from the BBC World Service. This is Spinal Tap. It's a cult classic, a mockumentary about a hapless British heavy metal group. But despite its success, the stars of Spinal Tap say they've barely made any income from the film. They're currently involved in a legal battle and are claiming $400 million in compensation. Charlotte Gallagher has more, and just a warning, this report does go up to 11. Stonehenge! And the story uh, carries on from there. I've known for some time, I won't make it a secret, that the BBC World Service's volume knob online actually does go up to 11. Did you know that, Paul? Please explain. You go to the website, you bring up a BBC World Service or BBC uh, item, video or audio, you press play. It's got a volume thing. You can turn it up or down. Right. You, you turn it up as Does far as you can. 11? It goes to, they all go to oh, 11. Very nice. Someone's had, a, had, a, had a, a smile on their face when they programmed that in. I think so. I don't know. I'd like to get to the bottom of it, but I don't know. 
It, it, it's a true thing. There's a little video I threw up on Facebook just to prove that I'm not making stuff up. But I just thought it was really nice aligned with the origin of it, and that is uh, Spinal Boom. Tap. 11. Look, right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11. And amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Yes, it is. BBC, thank you. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And just a warning, this report does go up to 11. <laughs> she wasn't kidding. So there's, the, the story behind that is there's a, a dispute about the, the royalties and the... Oh, hell, are of, you interested of, in the story? Of the film, of the, of the guys who, who made the film and some distributor or, some, or the company that they ended up making it with. And the guys never got any... I believe that they got nothing out of it. They're suing for like... Hundred million or something. Yeah, well, they should, sue for more. It's so good. I'll chip in. Spinal Tap still stands up today. And you know, Christopher Guest, um, he's a Lord Baron peer of the realm. He was sitting in the House of Lords. Did you know that? No. Yeah. He's the man that says it goes up to 11. It goes up to 11. He is a Lord Baron. Anyway. Uh, Frankie Boyle, not your perennial, but close to a favourite. He's yeah, great. You know, you know, as you know, I've been following that series, which you can see all of it on YouTube, um, and it, it's it's very good. Um, New World Order, uh, Frankie Boyle, and this is from an episode. Uh, there was a, a recap or a best of episode, and I, I'd actually realised I'd missed an episode or two, and this was a lovely piece about Theresa May that I just thought was a nice observation, and also when you do. You know, when you're doing interviews with people and you want that, you know, you're interviewing a politician, um, Kellen Clark or whatever, and, and you want to get that. What do you like on a night out when, you, when you're getting pissed and you're yeah. out with your mates and having a good time? And, and, and this is just one of those questions. Yeah, Dutch oven sort of question, but yeah, anyway. Theresa May continues to stagger through the leadership of the party. Here's May doing her best to fend off ITV's probing questions about how she lets her hair down. If you could have your perfect get-together with your girlfriends on International Women's Day, away from all of the pressures of your job, what would be your perfect night with them and how would you let your hair down? Well, there's... I don't think that when you let your hair down, I don't think there's only one way of doing it. I think it depends on the group that you've got, it depends on the time. But, as I say, there's... My International Women's Day is rather more focused not on what we can do to enjoy ourselves, but actually on what we can do to help women out there, women who are suffering, women who are being abused, oh. and whose lives are being made a daily living hell. What's your perfect girls' night in? And you end with the words, a daily living hell. <laughs> I like that answer. I think yeah. it's an unfair question. Yeah. Was she going to tell the truth? I take half of Vicodin and look at my Tupperware collection. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a classic politician's answer. They wanted to answer it correctly, and then it's almost like they got the message in the ear, the right ear, from their PR person. No, bring it back to the policy, Theresa. Bring it back oh, to the policy. I don't think she would need any help to do that. I think, uh, I mean, I think Helen Clark would give a very similar answer to that. It's interesting. She was just staying on message. She's, she's got no time for that sort of thing. And also, she got herself in a bit of trouble previously. Who, Helen or Theresa? Teresa, um, when she was asked a similar question, you know, what was she like as a kid? Does she remember going wild? And she talked about running through um, fields of oh, wheat. Yeah. Just running through fields of wheat. 
Yes. So, yeah. And I was young. Yeah. Helen, I reckon she's looser than people give her credit for. I've been round to her place and helped with the dishes once. Have you? Yeah. Got the tea towel out. They didn't have a dishwasher. dishwasher. (laughs) She was drying them up and um, I said, look, I'll I'll do those. You go get ready because we're going to film something. And she said, oh, oh, thank you, Grime, which was nice. Yeah. And there was also the time when she would... um, Oh, when I was doing a breakfast show on a, a radio station that you were programming, I was um, I had Helen Clark as leader of the opposition on of a Monday, and um, there were these people ringing me up time after time. Didn't have a producer; you had to answer your own phone. College radio, folks, and there were these people going up. Hey, Graham, you stupid! And they were making all these stupid noises. I thought, shut up, hang up. And then I, the phone rang again, and I picked it up, and it was, Hello, Helen Clark here. And I said, Shut up, you f***ing stupid and hung up. And the phone rang again, and I said, Hello. And she said, No, it is, Helen. I've got a cold. <laughs> I love that story. Oh, that's so, so good that she rang back. She, she wasn't put <laughs> off at all. I said, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I've had these. Feelings. She said, I understand. I don't <laughs> mind. It's fine. <laughs> Carry on, you little... <laughs> I would... Her estimation, um, my estimation of her, uh, went up considerably. She was not faced by that at all, so... Yeah. yeah, hardly good. stuffy. I would say. No, she's got it. She's she's certainly not. Um, and uh, what I do like about her is, and was shown recently with um, that strange stoush with Sir Ray Avery, is that she's not she she's not put off by um, appearances. No. She, she if she thinks something's right, she'll just she'll go there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and she seems to have won that one, to be honest. Weird, though. They dry their dishes right to left. It's just seemed wrong to me uh, at the time. Anyway. Okay. Are you, uh, on the tw- are you on the Twitter, Graham? No. Are you on the Instagram? No. Oh, for God's sake. Are you, who are you, channel- you, are you ch- channeling Bob Jones now? Oh, no. for God's sake, Bob. No, well, it's the opposite of Bob Jones, isn't it? Oh. Um. Anyway, just some of your listeners will be, and I just want to recommend something uh, that has been amusing me greatly. It's called McFadden's Cold War. So M-C-F-A-D-D-E-N. Mm-hmm. McFadden's Cold War. The guy is, a, or a woman, I'm not sure, is a collagist. They make these collages of mostly British stuff, but I'm looking at one now that has, the, has reoccurring characters. Kim Jong-un is one of them. Um, the one I'm looking at now has um, Kim Jong-un on a bike. I think there's a pig running next to him. Looking at, he's riding past Noel Edmonds and the Queen who are looking into a wheelie bin. Inside the wheelie bin is a drunk guy who is actually um, Nigel Farage. And these have all been carefully cut together from actual photographs. And his his scenes are just brilliant. Just, uh, it's just a, a different kind of thing going on here. And he seems to have an obsession with uh, one of the Mitchell brothers from the East Enders, who appears in most of the most of these collages. And uh, in the opening on his homepage, 
uh, I think it's Lennon's Tomb also has Phil Mitchell from the EastEnders in it as well. So that might give you an idea of the type of thing going on here, but it is very amusing and very well done. McFadden's Cold War, either on the Instagram or the Twitter. Beautiful. Thanks, Paul. The most interesting radio show on planet Earth. Oh. The Weekend Variety Wireless. On Radio Live. Such a worrisome um, sting promo. Anyway, uh, Paul Cassidy with us for Media Stick. Paul, I heard something from BBC Trending, which is a world service program. They get heaps of dough uh, to do a flash program on the radio. And I was rather disappointed in retrospect after I heard uh, something else. But anyway, here is the first um segment that I'm tabling. This is BBC's trending about the Sandy Hook thing and Alex Jones and this weird Sandy Hook conspiracy guy, Wolfgang Halberberg. The Sandy Hook shooting touched people everywhere. Money, flowers, even teddy bears were sent from around the world. One of the thousands who sent help later became a key player in this story. Wolfgang Halberg lived across the country in Florida, when he heard the news, he was sitting, matter of fact, in that chair right there, like I do every day. I have coffee and play with the dog. I'm retired, you know. For the interview, I settled into Wolfgang's plush sofa. Pictures of his family line the shelves, along with books on education. He used to be a school safety advisor, which is one of the reasons he became obsessed with Sandy Hook. And I saw the breaking news. Shots fired. Elementary school. Boom, boom, boom. Boy, I tell you what, my hair stood up. Oh, they got all the way to Florida from London and got to see him and researchers uh, were there and they did the interview and recorded it and it sounded very lovely. And not once did they mention anything about his background, Paul. Um, just making sure you're there. You yes, haven't had a stroke? Yes, no, I'm, I'm hanging on you every word. Uh, a, just a YouTuber himself in front of his camera and a brain and some research, came up with this, this week, the same week, that BBC Trending, with all its BBC resources, didn't do its job, although it would have loved to have had this information, and uh, all they had to do to get it, I suppose, was do some research. Here he is. The guy is called Miles Power. On the same guy, Wolfgang Hulbig, the Sandy Hook denier uh, conspiracy thing. If my comment section is anything to go by, most people believed I was being overly flippant when I called Wolfgang a nobody. But actually, I spent a lot of time researching this chap and I know exactly what kind of person he is. You see, Wolfgang is constantly rewriting his background and embellishing his achievements. Wolfgang is also fond of flat-out lying, like when he claimed to have drove the motorcade protecting Martin Luther King Jr. as a state trooper despite the fact that he joined the force after MLK's assassination. He once said that he was assigned to guard President Nixon and therefore has top secret clearance. We have zero evidence for this claim. Wolfgang spends a lot of time talking about the time when he was a state trooper, but often neglects to mention the fact that he only did this for a year. In this short time, apparently he witnessed over 200 autopsies, was shot at multiple times, and was responsible for concluding homicide investigations. In reality, the Florida Highway Patrol does not use troopers for anything other than traffic. On his CV, Wolfgang states that he was a custom inspector from 1993 to 1994. Yes, he did work for the US Customs Service, but only part-time, 
at an entry-level job. And he also seems to have not taken much in because the same year he was promoting phony bomb detectors to the schools he worked for. The Quadro Tracker, also known as the Positive Molecular Locator, was a fake detection device that its manufacturers claimed could detect hidden drugs, explosives, weapons, alcohol, precious metals, dead pets, wild game animals, and of course, lost golf balls. Quadro Tracker and its successors like ADE651 are nothing more than fancy looking dowsing rods, which has been debunked over and over again. I was the one who alerted the US Department of Energy. This is James Randi, famous debunker. To the quadro rod, which we'd already tested at the JREF with an operator certified by quadro using it. Need I tell you that it was useless? The qualified operator? That was Wolfgang in Randy's video. Yeah, wow. This is a load of rubbish. It's nothing more than a divining rod. And this is the guy that people are paying to investigate Sandy Hook. I could talk about Wolfgang for days, but I believe I've made my point. And I didn't even have to mention the fact that whilst he was school safety guy, he got his gun stolen by a student. <laughs> I just thought it was um, well. revealing <clears throat> that one organisation with vast resources decided, and they flew to Florida, they told us what his lounge looked like. And another guy with a good head on his shoulders and a camera looking at you and just YouTubing wow. told us who the guy really was. Um, a bit of a... You, you, I would expect it to be the other way, but it's yeah. turning... No, well, it usually is. Let's be honest, it usually yeah. is the other way. But that, uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a slip, isn't it, that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Shane Jones. Shane Jones. Love Shane Jones. He's, he's kind of... Uh, were you a fan of the TV series Deadwood, Graham? Yeah. Doesn't change, wouldn't change Jones fit well into Deadwood, I think. Oh, yes, definitely. He's got a way with words. He's, you know, he's... Um, he's taking on the corporate tunny fuzz mm. of... Uh, he has, certainly has a bee in his bonnet about the, the, the man in charge of uh, Air New Zealand, who, mm. of course, was wheeled out this week as the he's going to be the the conduit between labor and the business world mm -hmm. <clears throat> he's going to he's he's going to help them s sort out um the you know the uh, you know the the, the fact that um, business confidence is down <clears throat> and they had this big hooey this week um that that just undefronted and mm. and of course they wheeled out this chap whose name is slips me at the moment uh, chris luxon chris luxon that's the one and um of course, Shane has kind of been having a go at him over over the months, uh, mainly to do with the fact that Chris Luxon um, seems to be connected with the National Party, but also um, more publicly, Shane Jones has been saying that, you know, New Zealand have pulled out of some of the regions. So some of the smaller places they no longer fly to because they've done the maths and gone, oh, bugger this, we're out of here. Um, most of them get seem to get picked up by another smaller airline, um, maybe Mount Cook or one of the other ones, but... In any case, uh, it doesn't play well in the regions, and Shane's cottoned onto that, and and quite you know probably quite rightly so. And, he uh, is Mr. Regions. He's Mr. Regions. He's got and he's got the he's got a billion dollars of slush fund that New Zealand first got out of the agreement, mm. and he's doling it out in the regions. It's part of what he's doing. 
Um, but he's not afraid to, to get up and, and uh, lambast people, which is pretty entertaining, to be quite honest. Yeah, it is. And he's got an old kind of weird old owl lawyer way of speaking, a sort of a rumpole of the bailey mm. kind of slightly malapropisms here and there. Not quite through. Mike McRuru, as they say, but yeah, no. it's sort of a fatter owl. Yeah, he's not quite old. Um, what that guy, Houseman, on mm. that legal program? Anyway, mm. let's not go too far back. Anyway, he, um, Shane was on uh, uh, Morning Report this week. <laughs> he does look like an owl, doesn't he? <laughs> Arudu. Um, he was on Morning Report this week, and he... This, and he was having a go at uh, the chap from me, New Zealand, you know, calling him a, a celebrity and having a bit of a bash. But just the way he ends this interview is mm-hmm. the, the last words that he chooses to use, the biblical kind of a quote. It's just beautiful. It's classic Shane Jones. And I thought I'd like to share it with you. And the translation... Well, he is a celebrity. I'm stating the facts. He is a celebrity. Chris Luxon regards himself, without a, without a sliver of doubt, uh, as, as a key feature. He, uh, he, 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 he in the past, has uh, brought Obama over here. There's many photos of that level of where business meets uh, celebrity culture. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm from the provinces, and I'm a belching, expectorating sort of politician. We will ensure that as we go forward, he is surrounded by people that uh, are of more earthy, earthy dimensions. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, it's, so effectively you've got a, 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 a celebrity appointment to, to this key business advisory role. I mean, it's it's what impact is it going to have then on what is now seen as a, a flashing neon sign with fireworks behind it, this issue of business confidence, and you're saying, well, it's just a celebrity appointment. No, no, what I'm saying is that Chris himself, whilst he might um, be of Christian origins, and I am myself, but Chris would know one of the commandments is, do not covet the ass of your neighbour. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. That's a lovely bit. Do not covet the ass of your neighbour. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Um, independent news organisations can do what they like, listen or not, basically. But when it comes to national radio, um, I think we do have uh, the, the right and the duty to have a think about how they do our news from time to time. And I couldn't believe this happened. It sounds like a perfectly normal news broadcast. This was at 10am one day this week. And... After listening to the very, very first story, the lead story, the most important story that they thought needed to be told, I went, what? It's just an anecdote from a dude on the street whose authority comes from the fact that he's from Matamata, that is the same place that Jacinda Ardern comes from. I don't get this. RNZ News at 10 o'clock. Good morning, I'm Anna Thomas. A small business owner in the Prime Minister's hometown of Morrinsville has little faith in Jacinda Ardern's new business advisory council. Ms Ardern yesterday announced the formation of the committee to be led by our New Zealand Chief Executive Christopher Luxon in a bid to improve business confidence. Lee Blissett owns the bike store Kaimai Cycles in Morrinsville. He says he has noticed a downturn in business in recent months, but another committee is not going to fix it. This 
latest government has formed more subcommittees and quasi-bloody boards than any other government in history. And all they are is full of smoke, hot air. Lee Blissett says he thinks people are tightening their belts while they wait to see where the economy goes. Peace talks between the Black Power Gang All and right, community leaders. That's the leaders next story. That's why I left that in there to show oh. you that there was a story afterwards. Um, for the headline news tomorrow at nine, we need to find another bike store owner somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I think if they keep him on, he's, um, he's, he's not bad. He's got a little bit of a way with words there. <laughs> I, I, I forget the, the line he, he dropped in there, but uh, yeah, I know. It's. Uh, she, weird. That is that is weird. That is there's no other word for that than uh, mm. than weird. Um, bike shop, the Kaimai cycles. Morons fell sorry. I said mutter mutter didn't well, I? Well, I suppose in another in another headline could be um, a man who owns a bike shop uh, in Morrinsville hasn't been doing very well. Headline news though. <laughs> you begin with this. <laughs> this is breaking. Bike sales in Morrinsville down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a new marine sanctuary format uh, happening on the Taranaki in the Taranaki Bight for the Blue Whales. Uh, we have a bike salesman from Hokitika <laughs> to tell us. Okay, we don't actually, but we should find one. Okay, now, Steve Hansen at the spin-off. Oh, yes. Now, we've, we've, we enjoy... Um, Steve Hansen and his lovely way of talking, and in fact, uh, Graham, you're very good at you do a very passable Steve Hansen impersonation. Oh, well, so um, one of my favourites among people. But there's there's a bunch of people who can do them in New Zealand. Uh, Goran Paladin is the best. Yeah, no, he's he's very good at it. Uh, this guy called Ra Pomare, who's one of the stars of the spin-off, also a star of Instagram and Twitter. R a p o m r a e. He's worth following. He does very funny stuff. He he um he he cuts news footage up. He does really cute, weird, little absurd takes on the news that I think you would appreciate. Um, this one works better visually, so if you do get a chance to look at the spin-off, either on their website or wherever on the TV3 site or whatever. Does it? Because it sounds great to me. It sounds great, but it looks even better because I've cut into an actual press conference, and you've got who's the who's um Steve's offside? No, was offsider. What's his name? The other guy that's always with him. No. Do you know? Don't Dan Carter. No, no, no. no, no Wayne guy. Smith. Wayne Smith. Oh, and, or no, Foster. Ian Foster. I think it's Wayne Smith actually. Oh. Anyway, there's a press conference, and him and the and the captain, um, old, uh, what are they call him? Ian Kirkpatrick. <laughs> Someone else. The one with the eyes. Sid going. Anyway, <clears throat> it's very funny, but uh, but this is very funny, and this is just him uh, reacting. You know, to some of the news events of last week. I don't know. Did you see the the footage of the big, um, the giant deep sea squid that that, that came up on? The oh, in in, impressive. Apparently, doesn't fry well. Amazingly, oh, a bit chewy. Yes. Yes. Did the boys enjoy meeting the prime minister? Yeah, well, it was good to have her there, you know. And the boys enjoyed having a beer with Jacinda and discussing the challenge of breaking down some of the stereotypes around the patriarchy and uh, heteronormative value systems here in New Zealand. You know, so. It was great. Steve, do you really want government money to pay players? Yes and no. I misspoke. What I really want is government regulation of wages under a fair pay agreement. To be honest, the NZRU are grossly overpaying us, and the boys are conscious that there's a massive inequality issue in Aotearoa, New Zealand. We need to be leading by example and staying in touch with New Zealand. 
You've talked about government subsidy to help retain players. Are you suggesting the allure of the black jersey is fading? Well, that's a pretty bloody stupid question. The black jersey is the black jersey is the black jersey, isn't it? And I'll tell you something else. The flak Serena Williams copped over a full body black jersey from the French Tennis Association was a bloody disgrace. She's expressing herself respectfully. Uh, I mean, it's practical from an athletic standpoint and uh, the red belt's a nice touch. Do you give Bodie a couple of days off after a game like that? Yeah, well, we've given him a couple of lighter days, but we've told him to stay away from the ocean. Did you see the size of that squid in Wellington? Yeah, it was a big squid. That thing would suck a man's leg clean off. That's something we don't need. <laughs> He's got the language just right. Yeah. That's beautiful. And the thing I like most in all of that is this. The black jersey is the black jersey is the black jersey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? It is the black jersey. Uh, marvellous. Hey, thanks, Paul, for everything. Oh, cheers, mate. It's been fun. And, uh, yeah, and I look forward to coming back at some stage. Good one. Uh, we'll leave you with our New Zealand accent of the week. Colin Smith, who's a Rodney County Councillor, or whatever they call it, board member, uh, discussing the problem of toilets in Walkworth. Paul, all the best. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Now, the most used toilets in the whole of New Zealand. It's the only toilet between Wangarei and Auckland. The trouble is they're concrete toilets, and I think the urine and all that sort of smells got into the to into the concrete. But even if they clean them, just keep cleaning them, they're still no good. All right? And I don't think it's fair on the blinging business owners, our town, our community, or our rural community. Anything over this side of the dome hill, we're jammed between the Kuiper boundary and um, Walkworth. And if you have a look on the map, all you see is plus Wellsford. Nothing else. That's it. End of story. I tell you what, the best thing is to go around behind the toilet and piss in the bushes. As far as the toilets are concerned in Wangarei and all around the rest of the country, down Taupo, they're not too bad. It's shocking. It just, it's just not a good look. Our community is absolutely getting rorted. Well, I tell you what, the average price of these toilets in the, in the super city is about $400,000 a toilet. That seems to be the average. How the hell it ever gets to that price, God only knows. You're tuned in to the Weekend Variety Wireless. Just an addenda, I suppose, to media stick. We may as well throw it in on uh, the same thing online when it goes. Um, just the amount of appeasement and people going, oh, what a shame stuff with something called the Catholic Church, which has been, which has been real big time in the past. Uh, Ireland's almost given it up for, I think, some obvious reasons. This week, the revelations that have come from a grand jury two-year inquiry, how, uh, they just beggar belief. There's a really, really good YouTuber I recommend if you want to find out what's going on from a plane and... Um, yeah, just a, a plain straight-up perspective. And what the hellness! His name's Holy Kool-Aid. Holy Kool-Aid with a K, K-O-O-L-A-I-D. 
Uh, here's an example. The grand jury found evidence that over 300 priests had sexually abused more than 1,000 victims, and the church had systematically attempted to cover it up. The grand jury reports the truth is bishops and other Catholic church leaders covered up the crimes and obstructed justice in order to avoid scandal, and that the same leaders persuaded victims not to report the abuse and police officers not to investigate the abuse. The philosophy was not to help children, but to avoid scandal. This is hearsay. This is Bill Donahue, president of the Catholic League. Bill's come out swinging in defense of the priests and the Catholic Church. A grand jury report is not factual. This is hearsay. The grand jury subpoenaed and, re and reviewed a half a million pages of documents. These documents from the diocese's own secret archives, corroborating accounts of victims and illustrating the organized cover-up by senior church officials that stretched, in some cases, all the way to the Vatican. Why are we being set up? This is cherry-picking. You mentioned in your grand jury debunking release that no one was found guilty of anything. No one, Bill? Right. The uh, almost nobody, uh, quite frankly. Let's put it this way. Nobody got a chance to rebut it. They didn't get a chance to rebut it because there was no trial against them. Why was there no trial against them? Because the church swept it under the rug until the statute of limitations had passed. Nobody's saying that all priests are rapists, but that's why people are outraged. The entire affair is about, uh, you know, it's only 10 minutes long, but there are three of them so far about these uh, revelations. I hold no great joy in this coming out. This is awful, although uh, I am an anti-theist, I suppose, if you want to nail it in the end. <clears throat> Sam Harris um, is a YouTuber as well. He's not bad at this sort of thing. If you had to sign a user agreement, for the Catholic Church, somewhere in the fine print, it should say, the ideology of our organization acts as a filter attracting sexually confused and conflicted and conscienceless men. And we employ these people and hide their crimes. And we've done this for over a thousand years. Now give us your kids. <laughs>